Hello and welcome to the ETOF 2-1 Sports Podcast for February 13th. How is everyone doing today? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF 2-1 Sports. You can find my work at ETOF 2-1 Sports on Twitter, on Instagram, at ETOF 2-1 Sports underscore. For free horse racing picks on Instagram, at ETOF 2-1 Sports underscore horse underscore racing. For fantasy football and for just daily sports hot takes on Instagram at etoff21sports underscore fantasy. And of course, at TikTok at etoff21sports. Wow, it is February 13th. We have a nice little weekend lined up of sports. We have Daytona 500 tomorrow. UFC main event, Burns Usman tonight. Loaded day of NBA, loaded day of college, but sadly no football. But with football ending, you guys know what that means. I'll be coming out with my free agent rankings, doing my scouting videos, providing my scouting takes, positional grades for the upcoming NFL draft. I will also be, I also be doing mock drafts. I will also have my fantasy football rankings for next year coming out. So even though the football season's over and sadly there's no XFL, we're grinding here. And we got some F, F, uh, FCS. You know, maybe we'll have some F, FCS plays for members. So, you know, we're full swing in terms of football. We're 27 4, 7, 365. Also, last week, I was on the Gino Piccolo podcast. Thank you for Gino. Gino and I are going to be doing a weekly segment on his podcast where it's kind of like the NBA week in review. I promise I will not talk forever like I usually do when I go on there. But it will be like 30 minutes where him and I talk about who's hot, who's not in terms of NBA and everything with that. Also, for those of you that keep on hitting me up for free picks, guys, I dropped a blog last week, gave out a juicy Super Bowl future. So you make sure you check that out at etoff21sports.com backslash blog. So, we have a great show today. I'm going to talk about some stuff that is going on in the NFL this past week, even though the season is over. It's been a jam-packed week. Also, off the post, Boston Sports, Brando, he's going to be coming on, and him and I are just going to talk a little Daytona 500. So, let's jump right into it. So, the first thing is, there's obviously this idiot that was a streaker. There was a streaker at the Super Bowl, and I think it was Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning, these photos started surfacing online claiming that this guy put 50k on a prop at a sports book that there'd be a streaker at plus 750 guys i'm telling you right now this is bullshit if i myself get limited to only being able to bet $3000 on a college basketball game nba game how the hell is this Joe Smo have a prop bet where he puts 50 can? That's just not how sports books and everything work. They limit it. The most you can put on a prop like that is 200 bones. 200 bones. So this stuff about him putting 50K in a plus 750 prop, that's just bullshit. We got to be smart and we understand that in this whole social media realm, I mean, I guess this guy's a YouTuber that did it. He does this is a, he does this shit all the time, and he constantly gets in trouble for it. And he's just trying to gain clout. And 
it's just another guy gaining clout where you should not even be listening to him. There's one guy on this social media thing, and them and I were talking, and they were trying to tell me how Sewell, the kid from Oregon, isn't the best kid in this draft class. Did the Super Bowl not teach us anything about the value of offensive line? Did it not? Was I the only one watching that? So I would be really careful. There's a lot of people on here who claim to know what they know about certain sports. I would not just look at someone's follow count to determine how much they know because I can be posting a million accounts on here with these people that claim to know a lot and claim to bet a lot, but they're fucking morons. So I would just kind of take everything with a grain of salt and just be careful like when you're looking at stuff because that story about this guy betting 50k on a prop is just idiotic and another thing Russell Wilson came out and he said uh, you know Seahawks are getting calls on him he wants to be traded not excuse me not be traded but he wants to have a bigger say in personnel decisions and along with that get a better offensive line because he feels he's taking too many sacks. He's taken the most over this nine-year career. A couple things about Russell Wilson. Number one, you have to look at his contracts. Now, granted, I know I do this a lot more than people do. I look at contracts and how people get paid and stuff written in the contracts. He, For him to get traded, he needed to be traded by yesterday. And the fact he wasn't traded by yesterday means that he's probably not going to be traded. Like, there's, like, this huge incentive clause in it. So the probability of him being traded is slim to none. So that's number one. Number two, teams call all the time about players. All the time. You would amaze you guys how much teams get called about players. Just because a team's a superstar doesn't mean these other teams aren't constantly throwing offers at teams. So for... Wilson to slay that the Seahawks are getting calls about him. Yeah, no shit. Every team gets calls about every player just because they're trying to see the market and maybe there's like some issue going on and a team swooping in and taking advantage of it. So teams always call. So let's not overread that. Now, also, another thing to remember is this. When Wilson was drafted, who did the Seahawks just sign? Maddie fucking Flynn. Matt Flynn was signed off that three, four-game stretch he had in Green Bay to be the next quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. So he was signed, and Wilson was just kind of brought in. No one thought Wilson was going to be this good. And the fact that Seattle didn't really tells about their quarterback evaluation process kind of wasn't the best back then. So now fast forward, you have one of the, we'll call him a top five quarterback in the league, and you backed into him, do you really think they're going to move him? They should be doing everything in their power to make him happy. And I really believe that's what they're going to do, and they're not going to trade him. I mean, they'd be idiotic to trade him. I saw Nick Wright on Facebook. It's like, I, he came up and he had some astronomical trades 
situation going on. And you're just kind of like, dude, this is like A, way too much to read. B, way too much to digest. C, never going to happen. And D, you spent way too much motherfucking time coming up on this crazy-ass scenario in your head that's that's never fucking going to happen. So, Wilson being traded, eh, probably not going to happen. I would be shocked if it did, especially with it needing to happen yesterday with the, how he has his contract written. Now, another person, J.J. Rott, he was released yesterday. I mean, it just seems forever ago, J.J. Watt was drafted by the Houston Texans. Watt was drafted 11th overall in the 2011 draft. During his time in Texas, he was Defensive Player of the Year three different occasions, five different pro roles, and recorded 101 sacks. And finally, let's face it, Texans are a shit show. And Watt, he's had enough. He asked the Texans to be released. And not shockingly, they granted it. Why didn't they try to trade him? Watt is on the wrong side of 30. His production the last couple years in terms of getting to the quarterback has declined. And he's injury prone. So they weren't going to be able to get anything of substance back from it. I wouldn't even trade a sixth or seventh round pick, fifth round pick for Watt at this stage of his career. So you see these people on Twitter saying, oh, you, you grant J.J. Watt his release. What about Deshaun Watson? Guys, it's two different fucking scenarios. Watt, end of his career, $17 million contract hit, and you can't get jack and shit for him. Deshaun Watson, top, in my opinion, second best quarterback in the game. And his ROI is going to be a lot higher. So if the Texans are smart, and I'm not saying the Texans are smart. Texans are the biggest shit show in the league. Eckleby has got to go. And that he's running that franchise into the ground. But the Texans, if they are smart, hopefully are doing their diligence and getting the best offer. Because, I mean, Watson doesn't want to be there. You guys just got to trade him, move on, and hit the reboot button. But to compare the Watt situation to the Watson situation, that's just an idiotic comparison. And when people do that and try to make it into something it's not, eh, let's kind of have, you know, let's kind of have an expectation of what this situation, you know, really is. And when you think about it, the Lions got, what, Goff, two first and a third. This That did nothing but drive up the price of the Sean Watson. Now, Watson is going to demand more to trade him. So that's why I really feel it hasn't happened yet because these trade packages are still coming in. They're just trying to get the best trade package. They cannot go to camp without trading Deshaun Watson. If they do that, the Texans are idiotic. Back to Watt, though. It's really going to be interesting to see where Watt goes. He says he wants to play with a contender. He wants to win a championship. He's got ties to Green Bay. I mean, yeah, that does make sense. Going back to Wisconsin, where he's from, I get it. He's not going to be an every-down defensive lineman. He can come in at situational spots and get to the passer, so that makes sense. But Green Bay's really hit for money on the salary cap. His wife plays soccer here in Chicago, but he wants to contend for a ring for a Super Bowl. And, I mean, let's face it, the Bears are light years fucking away from doing that. And then his brother plays for the Steelers. Same situation. 
I think the Steelers are going to fucking suck next year. Offensive line issues. God only knows what's going on with Big Ben. Offense sucks. And really took a step back. So I know that Pittsburgh is kind of the quote-unquote betting favorite for him to land. But I, if he truly wants to win a ring, if his goal is to truly win a, win a ring, he's not going to go to Pittsburgh. I really think if he truly wants to win a ring, the best place for him to go would be the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers have the salary cap, good defense. They already have Bosa. As a pass rusher, Bosa would be able to take attention off Watt and would make Watt's life easier getting to the quarterback. Good linebacker core, good secondary. Herbert, who is obviously the rookie of the year, good offensive line. So I really think if he's truly quote-unquote serious about winning a ring, about trying to get to the Super Bowl, he would go to the Los Angeles Chargers. And the other big news this week in the NFL is the Jacksonville Jaguars hired Chris Doyle, Doyle, then resigned today. So Doyle was the strength and conditioning coach at the University of Iowa. Then players came out saying he used racial slurs bullied and belittled players and then he gets a one million dollar buyout and now he gets the coach in the nfl are you fucking serious urban meyer's never been a great judge of character and for him to have the audacity to hire this piece of fucking shit who has no business no business doing coaching and coaching nfl college high school peewee football at any level speaks to me a lot and i I was high on this Jacksonville Jaguars team just because their offensive line was okay. They have a lot of draft capital. They're obviously going to be picking Trevor Lawrence, and they have 10 other picks. But after seeing Meyer's decision to hire this piece of shit, are you fucking serious? Really? I, I, I'm I going to have to take a step back on how I thought this Jags team was going to do just strictly based on this 24-hour hire. Because if I'm in that locker room with this guy's history and you're hiring this guy, this would piss me the fuck off. And I would be upset as fuck because this guy is a racist piece of shit. And like I said, no business, no business in coaching at any level. So that's it for kind of some stuff that happened in the NFL this week. Now we're going to shift our attention. Big day in auto sports tomorrow with the Daytona 500. We're going to have Brandon from Off the Post Boston Sports come on now, and he's going to talk a little Daytona 500. So now let's welcome Off the Post Boston Sports Brandon to the show. Brandon, how are you doing today? Doing good. How about yourself? Uh, a little cold, but I got no complaints, my man. A little cold, but no complaints. Um, So we got NASCAR starting up this week. Unfortunately, I lost my truck bet last night with, uh, who do I have, Peters and uh, Effender, but I'm locked and loaded. I'm ready to win some NASCAR money, so you're coming on the show to talk a little Daytona 500. You pumped up? I'm pumped up. It's uh, it's going to be different. A lot of driver changes, a lot of team changes, number changes, so it's going to be a little bit of a different look, but uh, it's Daytona. You can't not get excited about it. The Super Bowl of NASCAR is literally almost 24 hours away from us. Oh, and I can't wait, and I pray there is no rain because it just seems like every year there's effing rain and it pisses me off. So let's jump right into it. 
obviously, you know, for me, I used to use five dimes, and unfortunately, five dimes is no longer in the U.S. market. So I'm pleasantly surprised about the options DraftKings is offering. What what sportsbook are you uh, going to be using to wager? Uh, Bovada, because I'm in North Carolina. So as of right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is not available for me. Oh. Um, I'm hoping that does change soon. I can do DraftKings for fantasy lineups, but their sports book is not available here in North Carolina for me, so that's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, like, I was pleasantly surprised because normally on the offshores you get win, top three, top five. DraftKings is actually offering a top ten bet. Um, really? And that's something I wanted to ask you really quick. Any of these, like... I don't want to use the term third tier guys, but I'll use the term third tier guys. Um, any drivers like a David Reagan who's at plus four hundred, Daniel Suarez plus four hundred, my boy Anthony Alfredo plus eight hundred. Any like low tier guys that you think could sneak into the top uh, top ten? I've got. Uh, I don't know for top ten when it comes to the odds, but what what is Corey LeJoy sitting at when you look at the top ten? finishing he's at i know to win the race he's 500 to one he's uh plus 400 yeah i like him a lot um he always hangs around he's got a new team um they're still they still don't have anywhere near the best equipment but he's got some financial backing especially going into into daytona to where i think they pieced together a really good car uh he finished seventh in uh his qualifying race and if he can just stay out of the mess which these third tier guys, it always seems like they're not in the mix when that big one does happen. The big one usually takes out big names. And I find it funny they call it the big one based off the number of cars. I like to call it the big one because it takes up all the big names. Um, so a guy like Corey LaJoy, I'd have to look at his individual finishes, but I like him a lot at 400 to 1 for a top 10. That's huge. Yeah, I get him a four, plus 400. It was great. Um, now, one of the things I always used to do when I first started bet, betting NASCAR, any speedway, blindly just throw a little money on Jamie Murray. Jamie McMurray, excuse me. I mean, what do you expect anything special from him this race, or is he just needs to stay retired? No, I, again, it's the 500. So anybody can win it. Um, experience does play a huge factor because he has raced in it for many years. Um, he knows what the draft is like. He knows he will have people. Let's be honest. You have, let's just say, a Denny Hamlin behind a Corey LaJoy and a Jamie McMurray. He's going to push McMurray before he pushes LaJoy just because he knows the experience factor and the trust factor that he has with McMurray over LaJoy. So the thing that McMurray is going to have on his side is drivers will be willing to work with him. But once again, we go back to he's driving the 77 car. A low-funded car with not the best equipment who put a big-name guy in it to turn some laps. Um, so if he can stay in the draft and have some key guys pushing him, I don't see what are, what are his odds for a top 10. For Jamie Mack, top 10, 3-1. Uh, to one. Yeah, see, they're expecting him to have help tomorrow. Now, and if you notice that, that, that... Go ahead. No, what were you going to say? I'm sorry. Um... For the fact three to one, they're going based off of his name. They're not going based off of anything else. Not his team, not who's driving for it, nothing. That's solely experience when he's three to one compared to a four hundred to one. What about Michael McDowell? He's sitting at 
three to one for a top ten. Wow. Um, he's one of those guys that he he finishes. Um, he usually saves his car, whether it's at a super speedway or even a short track. He again, we're still on that boat of low funded team, not the best equipment, but knows how to take care of it and be there at the end. Um, and you're hitting it's it. Hard on, for, you're hitting it on the head. Like he's just that guy that's just kind of. He avoids the big one, and he's just kind of always there. You know what I mean? Like, he just avoids it, like you said. Correct. And if we talk on a weekly basis, which we've done before with other tracks, and I can tell you Michael McDowell won't even finish in the top 20 at Phoenix or Charlotte or wherever we're talking. But anybody that's listening to this that are going to place wagers tomorrow, you have to understand no matter who you take, whether it's the number one guy or the worst guy that's in the field, None of these picks, of course, no picks ever guaranteed. But these picks are random due to the fact that you don't know when the big one's going to happen. You don't know how many drivers it's going to take out. And you don't know who's going to be involved. So when it comes to a week like Daytona, i I rather do a low-risk, high-reward. A guy like Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is 200-1 to to win the race. The man is always good and in the mix at super speedways. So to see a 200-1 odds of a guy that's been racing for years and has a good reputation, I like him to win. Yeah, I got him. I Stenhouse and Stenhouse and uh, Chris uh, – oh, my God, I'm spacing his last name. Busher? Yeah, Chris Busher. Those are the two guys I've locked in so far. What do you, what do you have for odds to win the race for Christopher Bell? For Bell on DraftKings, Bell is – um, plus 3,000. See, I love that pick. So you got a guy who raced last year for a team that was getting equipment from Joe Gibbs. They were a single, a single team. They weren't getting all the full good stuff, but they were getting help from Gibbs. Well, then Gibbs boots Eric Jones and brings in Christopher Bell, who drove for Gibbs in the Xfinity Series, and puts him in the 20 car. I've got a lot of high hopes for this kid, not even for Daytona, but for this entire year. And he's 50-1 to 1 on Bovada, and he finished second in the qualifying race. You know he has the teammates between Truex and uh, Kyle Busch, and you know he's got the equipment with Gibbs, and he starts near the front, and he's 50-1 to 1 odds. You look at the odds of most of these drivers, you're not getting the 50-1 to 1 odd, at least in Bovada, for any driver that's starting that close with that good of equipment. Now, we also have some guys from Xfinity coming up. We got uh, Cedric, um, Ross Chastain, and um, Chase Briscoe. Any one of those three, they're going to make any noise? You know, what do you expect from those guys? So I like Chase Briscoe because he's in Haas equipment. He got put right into the car that Boyer was racing. Uh, Clint Boyer. So you know he's got equipment. Um, he's his team, One of his teammates won one of the dual races, being Eric Almirola. Um, I really – Cindric's going to be interesting. The kid can drive. Very impressive. Um, I think he's going to be great this season when it comes to road courses. And this season you do have the most road courses ever, being like six to eight this season. But uh, Cindric is that third car that Penske has never really had. So you've got – Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano in both Penske's. And now you've got Cindric in the 33, which is also coming from Penske. 
So I'd be interested to see if he's getting, throughout the season, if he's getting kind of, I'd like to call it hand-me-down equipment, or if he's going to be competitive with Brad and Logano. And it, I, I'll be interested to see. I do like him this week, though. If I'm, What, what are his odds? Um, DraftKings. Cedric. I just had him. He is plus 275 top 10, plus 1,400 top 5. Oh, no, plus 1,400, excuse me, top three. And he is, where did he go? I just lost him. Um, plus 6,000 for top, for, to win it. That's interesting because Bovada does not even have him bettable. Really? So he'd be, Ro- he'd be in the Chastain's, field. Yeah, Ross Chastain, 70 to 1. But I'm not seeing... Chastain's sure. seventy to one to win it all on Bovada. Yeah. All right, because yeah. he's thirty-five to one. So that's just an example, guys. Like that's why both Brandon and I preach it. You got to have different books to kind of shop around. We're just using this to kind of you know go back and forth with lines, but that's why it's important to have have different lines to make sure you're able to find that best uh, best value. Um, yeah, Austin Cindric starts uh, 39th in the thirty-three Ford for Penske, but he is not available. On, uh, yeah, it's not available. That's interesting. Now, one of the big news over NASCAR this year was Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin starting up a team, the number 23 car, signing Bubba Wallace to drive. What do you expect about Bubba in this race? Um, Bubba's always been good at these tracks, and he, he gets in the mix. I think the problem he has, and you saw it in the dual race, people don't work with him. And I don't think it's him only. It's a lot of people don't like working with single-owned teams. When you are by yourself, you don't have a teammate. And teammates are going to work with other teammates. That's just the way NASCAR is, especially with a draft package. The thing that Bubba has leaning on his side is, for whatever reason, over the last three to five years, it's not about necessarily who your quote-unquote teammate is, but who your manufacturer is. Toyotas push Toyotas better than they push Chevys. Chevys push Chevys better than they push Fords just because of the way the nose lines up to the bumper. And the manufacturers have made it clear to all of these drivers, I want you pushing a guy that is driving the same manufacturer you're driving. I don't want you pushing others. And you'll hear them talk about it all day, all night tonight in the Xfinity race. You heard it last night in the truck series, and you'll hear it again Sunday. It's all about manufacturers. So Bubba this week, his odds are high. Another guy that you can see in the mix at the end. He's been there multiple times, not just for the 500, but when they go back to Daytona for the night race, when they go to Talladega. But throughout the season, I mean, we're talking a new team, just like in any sport besides the Vegas Knights, what they did in the NHL their first year. But you know as good as I do, it takes time to build stuff and build chemistry and leadership and I hope the best for him and Michael because uh, I think it's good to see any new team come into the mix. Um, I'm concerned with Denny Hamlin and where his mindset is now. And even Gibbs has Gibbs took a shot at him at the end of last year saying that he thought Denny was more focused on his personal team than he was the Gibbs team. And that's where he thought that the lack of finishing at the end of the season came from. So I don't know if there's any any fire burning in that in the Gibbs side 
due to the fact that Denny just opens up a brand new team. But you can't blame Denny as a businessman. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, you have an opportunity to do this. You found a loophole where you're able to be involved, but you have Michael Jordan as the main guy. I mean, you got to kind of you got to go there no problem and take advantage of that. Speaking of Ham, Hamlin, right now he is 8-1 to one on DK to win it all. Top 3 plus 225. Top 10, he's minus 182. And let's face it, over the last couple years, he has been the man at the Daytona 500. Yeah. Obviously, rightfully so, the betting favorite. Um, I mean, is he going to win another one? Like, what... What do you expect from him in this race? Is he not going to be focused on it, or it's it's hard for me to think that somebody's going to go back to back to back at Daytona. It's really hard for me to believe, but I also never thought that you'd see a, a quarterback in the NFL win seven Super Bowls. So let's be honest: after twenty twenty, anything can happen. So he will be in the mix again. He, people will want to work with him because they know that he knows how to finish, and if you can be with him at the end, that will give you an opportunity. For a high finish or even a win, um, I know on Bovada you've got him, Chase Elliott, and Kevin Harvick all tied for the best odds for tomorrow at uh, plus five seventy five. Um, so but, okay, because uh, Elliott's ten to one here, and who is the other guy? Uh, Kevin Harvick. Oh, Harvick's fourteen to one. For interesting. Yeah, what so? That's the book part you, you're talking about. To everybody that's listening, you can't look at single one site. You can't do it. You've got to have multiples and play the numbers where they are. Like if I was able to bet on uh, DraftKings Sportsbook this weekend, I would take Chase Elliott at ten to one or Harvick at fourteen to one on that site, rather than taking them on Bovada at five seventy-five. Oh yeah, for sure. That's why it's. I mean, I have way too many sports books that I than I'd like to admit. Um. My favorite driver, Kurt Busch. Any uh, any Kurt Busch magic this week? <laughs> that man doesn't care about anything. He will put he will put his car where nobody else will. That, that's one thing I love about Kurt. Um, it's like he always got he always has something to prove. His energy, his fire, everything on the track, off the track, post race. Like he's willing to put the bumper, and he doesn't care who he's pushing who he's around, he's been around for so long in NASCAR that he's not worried about reputation. He, he just wants to finish and finish strong, and that's one thing I do love about him. Um, you know me. I hope the magic comes from Chase Elliott because I'm a huge Chase fan. Uh, but it's anybody's game. I hate to say that for anybody that's looking for betting advice here. Uh, that's I hate to say that because that, that is Daytona. You, you don't know. And the fact that Denny's went back-to-back, it's easy to say, well, yeah, he'll be in the mix for the third one. But if something happens in front of him and he has nowhere to go on lap five, then he's completely out of the mix right in the race. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why I know for me, my betting card at Daytona is the lowest exposure I have in a race not, and until yep. there's another one at Talladega or the night race here. Just because there's so much stuff that can happen, and like you said, the quote unquote big one. I mean, I like I said, I have Bush Stenhouse locked in, and I always love doing head to heads. But I may fade Bowman, but that would be the only head to heads that I would look at, just because of the crash factor. Speaking of Bowman, he made the switch to the Jimmy Johnson car. Um, 
you know, obviously want, he's sitting at the pole. What, uh, what do you expect from him this race? I don't expect a lot at all, solely because he was having engine trouble uh, during the qualifying race. So he pulled it in. They were diagnosing stuff. He has until tomorrow morning to make a decision whether they are going to swap out motors. If he does swap out motors, he'll start in the rear. If he starts in the rear with a new motor, I'd lean his way a little bit because, again, he's got Hendrick horsepower. He's got Hendrick teammates. Hendricks is the best at super speedways, hands down, um, when it comes to preparation, equipment, all of it. But if he does not switch his motor out to start in the front, I'm sorry, but I can't risk $1 on that guy knowing that you've already had problems in a 60-lap race that you're on pit road for 10 of those. How do I know that you guys think that you did fix everything needed and there's not something internally in that motor that you can't see without taking it apart? Exactly. So I can't, I can't, I'm with you, I'm fading him all day. Unless um, he switches his motor out. So I'm looking and obviously like this is something new um, because Five Dimes is mainly my book of choice because they have the best lines. DraftKings is offering stage winners and I'm looking at these right now. Let me wow. read off a couple and let me just off the top of the head off the top of your head let me know if you like any of these these are the top four amarola plus 900 will byron plus 1100 your boy chase plus 1200 and joey plus 1200 um what was the one right before chase amarola uh amarola plus 900 yes. and byron so, plus 1000 plus 1100 excuse me Amarola would be my go-to, and then Chase would be my number two. Um, Chase does like to get up front and stay up front. He is a good super speedway guy. He's won a couple Talladega races. Um, but again, Almarola is one of those sleepers that you don't hear a lot about, but he finishes well. Um, and he does have Stuart Haas equipment, and he is starting towards the front. So when it comes to the stage one win, I would absolutely put Almarola in, in the mix for that. Now... I have to ask about Truex. I mean, my first bet was the um, was it the the Clash or the Duel that was Tuesday night. The that was uh, the Clash. The Clash took Truex plus five hundred to win it all. Only bet, obviously, he crashes because he's Truex. Historically, <laughs> he's he's struggled at Daytona. Um, is he going to break out of his funk? I'm looking at right now, he is a prop who will have a better finish. Kyle Larson or Mark Truex Jr., basically a pick em. Oh, man, that's so hard because, to your point, Truex has been known to just wreck out at these races. Larson is coming back after not racing last season. Um, I don't know... I don't know how confident I am in Larson. I think he's got, he's got something to prove and that you'll see him in the mix for sure. But without a whole lot of practice, without being in a car for a year, it, it's like anything else. It's like riding a bike. You don't forget about it. But certain things happen during a race that if you're – like, for example, when I get on my simulator today, my first race is always just kind of iffy because you got to get the, the blood flowing. you got to get the hands, the mental – the, the movements and everything to get comfortable. How long is it going to take Larson to fully get comfortable during the Daytona 500? He might get in and boom, be good to go, but I'd have to lean towards Truex on that one. Okay. I, I would. Yeah. That, that, that crashing is going to break at some point. 
But that's the thing. That's that's again why I absolutely hate doing prop like head to head bets in the Daytona 500, and why I mean I I may fade Bowman, but that would be it because that crash happens, and you would hate to have your guy just dominating, and then there's a crash, and a guy who's six laps or seven laps down wins the prop because like you you take Byron over. Um, Denny Hamlin, hypothetically, and Byron's Byron's five laps up on him. There's a crash in front of him. He can't get out of the way, and you lose it. So that's why I always only will do one or two head-to-heads in this. Speaking of crashes, the big crash last year was Ryan Newman. Thankfully, you know he's okay. Back to racing. Do you expect any any magic from Newman? I want to say yes because I want to see that. I want that storyline. I want to wake up Monday morning and see that Ryan Newman won a race at a track that he almost died at a year ago. Like the story behind that would be wonderful. I've met Newman in person. Uh, just a great guy, a family guy. He doesn't care about the light being shined on him. He's just your good old fashioned, uh, just good person. He's, he's a lot smarter than people know. He's got an engineering degree. Like he's, He's your all-around, just good dad, driver, friend. So I, I'm a big fan of his. I've always wished he was with with better equipment. Roush Fenway is not bad, but he still doesn't have the backing or the teammates that could be helpful. But if you ask anybody in the garage, how do you feel about Newman? And everybody would side with him. What about, you mentioned it, he was leaving the 20 car earlier, Eric Jones. We're going back to the, I don't know what kind of backing he has equipment-wise. Um, anytime you leave, like, you look at the three powerhouses, or I, you can call it four. You got Penske, you've got uh, Hendricks, you got Gibbs, and you got Haas. Normally, these single teams or, or two teams that are below the mix, like Richard Petty Motorsports, Richard Petty Motorsports almost seized all operations at the end of last season due to funding. Which is hard to believe because when you think Richard Petty and you think Richard Petty Motorsports, you would think, oh, they've got to have some sort of backing financially. They almost seized operations, and then they decide, decided not to. So once again, where's his equipment coming from? Are they buying motors from Hendrix and chassis from Haas? Um, are they trying to build their own stuff? I think, unfortunately, I think it's a good fit for Eric just in general, but I don't see anything coming from the guy all season. He might be able to get in victory lane once, and of course, you guys know NASCAR, once you win, you're in the playoffs, period, and then anything can happen. But I don't think he has the backing, and it's a single-car single, single car team again. And you mentioned the different um, the teams and everything. Winner of the race, Gibbs Racing plus 325, Hendricks plus 375, Penske plus 375, Stuart Haas plus 600. One of those four, who did you put your money on? Hendricks has always dominated at these types of tracks. But as much of a Chase Elliott fan I, I am with Hendricks, I you know good as well when you do when you do place bets, you try and take your heart out of it. I'd have to go with Gibbs because you do have Kyle Bush, Martin Truex. Christopher Bell, who I'm telling you is going to be a sleeper this year, that people those those 50 to one odds will not stay that way all year. I promise you that. Um, and then you got Denny Hamlin, who's won two in a row. So 
their team and those Toyotas are quick. And if I had to place a bet in that aspect, I'm going with H.O. Gibbs driver to win the race. Okay. Now, let me. One of the bets I like doing is best finish. They have different groups. There's groups usually A through F. Um, four drivers. I'll list the four drivers and their odds. You tell me which one of the four. If you're going to place a wager on them, you'd place a wager. Group A: Hamlin plus two fifteen. Your boy. Elliott plus two fifty five, Ryan Blaney plus two seventy, Joey Logano plus two seventy. Who would you lock in? I'm locking in Hamlin. Group B: Kyle Busch plus two forty, Harvick plus two forty, Kozlowski plus two forty, Will Byron plus two seventy five. Hands down, Kyle Busch. He's got a new crew chief. He's got something to prove after having just a horrible, horrible year last year, and he went out and won the uh, clash. So I'm seeing big things from him this year. Hate to say it because I'm not a fan, but big things from Kyle. Uh, Group C, Amarola at plus 230, Larson plus 230, Bowman plus 250, my boy Kurt Busch plus 300. Amarola. Again, the man, if he stays out of trouble, the man's good at super speedways. If If I had to fade him, then it would be your boy Kurt. Group D, Martin Truex plus 190, Bubba plus 200, Stenhouse plus 300, Chastain plus 375. Stenhouse solely because of the odds. Nothing to do with the driver, nothing to do with the equipment, but based off the odds in that group and what he's capable of. I mean, like, the one thing I like about Stenhouse is he's just such a pimp at the side draft. Like, yes. <laughs> he is so good at side drafting. Like, when I watch this stuff, that is, that's why I love him at these speedways, and I always bet him. He is just so good at getting that side draft and helping him improve his position. Um, Absolutely. I, like, personally, though, I, since I already have him locked in, I would not bet him in these group finishes. I want as much limited exposure to one race just because of the, the uh, high crash factor. Uh, group E... Austin Dillon plus two hundred, Bell plus two twenty five, uh, Matt Demedetto plus two sixty, Chris Busher plus three fifty. Bell, 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 all day. I'm riding with Bell. Group F: Ryan Newman plus one ninety, uh, Briscoe plus two sixty five, Cole Custer plus two sixty five, Michael McDonald plus three hundred. Briscoe. Now. I mentioned Cole Custer. He had an interesting rookie year. Um, in terms of the Daytona 500 and the follow-up about second year on the circuit, what are you expecting from him? Not sure because he had to go to a backup car. He wrecked in the, the dual race. So backup cars at Daytona I think are a little bit different because they're all prepped the same way. Let me take this back. They're all prepped the same way no matter what for any track. But Daytona... They focus all off-season on putting two motors together that are going to be able to run eight, nine grand RPMs for an entire race. So a backup car isn't as different at Daytona than other tracks, but I struggle being able to put my money anywhere near somebody that has to go to, quote-unquote, a secondary car. Now, let me ask you this. Um, If you, right now, and I know the season hasn't started and a million things can change, Last time we talked, I was really high on Ryan Blaney. Do you think Blaney, at the end of the year, 
will be the NASCAR Cup champion? I think he's he's definitely going to be in the mix. Um, I know you're asking me a yes or no. It's hard for me to say that. I will tell you this. You look at road courses. Chase Elliott won all four road course races last year. First driver to ever win four in a row. You looked at the clash. He started in the back because he had to go to the back because of some failure of inspection. Makes it all the way to the front. Ends up losing. Of course, they re- he wrecked his friend Blaney at the corner. But uh, this season, there's six to eight road course races. And I believe two of them are going to come in the, uh, the playoff. I can't steer away from Chase after coming off of a season that he had last year and rattling off five, almost seven wins. Two of them were just mistake-driven. But now you're going into a year where NASCAR has the most road courses, and you got a driver that won four in a row, almost won five in a row, if he would have had fresher tires on Tuesday, I don't see how you can steer away from a guy that dominates road courses when you have six to eight road course races this year. Yeah, I mean, like if what's the saying of the shoe fits? Um, wear it. I, wear it. I mean, like obviously it's it's built for him to succeed. Um, now, a personal question, if you will, you, my friend, how long have you been married? Uh, coming up on three years this year. All right, you've been married three years. Um, so you've had a couple of Valentine's days with a little lady, myself, first one with a little lady. How the hell do I get away from her to watch the race? All right. So I'm, I'm the last person to ask for Valentine's Day Daytona advice because I am blessed that my lovely wife sent me a text message earlier in the week. I was already thinking about it. How do I get to watch this? What am I going to do? What can I do that's just so off the wall to be like, yeah, look, we were able to do this. Can I watch the race now? Um, I got a text from her saying, hey, can we bake cookies and cakes and stuff like this during the day and then watch the race? So my advice for you or anybody else, how do you get away and watch the race? I'm not experiencing that this year. I'm blessed with an amazing wife that was just like, hey, we're going to watch the race and bake. Um, If you guys are still on lockdown, will be in the house so if the race is at 2 30 i'd try and get up pretty early um i can't cook i'm not good at it but if you can i would recommend cooking bed and breakfast some hearts and chocolates and card and flowers and all that stuff and hopefully she looks at you and says well, what would you like for valentine's and you say the daytona five <laughs> all right well i mean because i i'm i've been this has been my biggest sweat for two weeks now how hey, have you been sweating Everybody, everybody, I've gotten calls from friends who are like, how do I do this? Like, how do I get to watch the race on Sunday? Why does it have to fall on Valentine's Day? This isn't fair. (laughs) I mean, this has been my biggest sweat now for a couple weeks as soon as I figured it out. So, I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out as I go. The only thing I can tell you, make it a game. She (laughs) picks drivers, you pick drivers throughout the stage. And if her driver wins, then you got to cook something or massage the feet or the back rub or go make dinner or something based off where these people finish. That way she'll actually have an investment into the race. That's a good idea. Make a little, little game out of it. Um, now let's shift you. As you mentioned, when you got in your rig, you do some eye racing. Why don't you tell everyone about that? Yeah. Um, I'm on my third year right now in eye racing. Um, I'm actually at a level that I never thought I'd get road to pro starts at March 10th. 
very close to getting the I rating that I need to be able to compete in that, to try and get my pro license. Uh, NASCAR has the e-Coca-Cola series that is broadcasted on NBC Sports Network. That's the ultimate level. Um, I do have sponsorship backing from a few companies, Studio Displays, uh, Swag Wraps and Graphics in Virginia, and then uh, ComServe Wireless, which is a reseller. Um, actually, if you guys watch the Xfinity race today, Brandon Dovic, uh, the son of my sponsor, ComServe Wireless, is driving his Snap Mobile Toyota, uh, the number 26 car. So if you guys want to pull for some underdog, uh, Brandon Dovic would be a great guy. Uh, but yeah, I've uh, been grinding. Uh, I've got sponsorship backing. Uh, it, it's It's been a blessing since the last time we talked. I told you I was just trying to turn left as many times as I can to try and get to this kind of level. But now that I do have sponsorship and I do have a sponsorship to they're racing in the Daytona or the Xfinity race this today um, is huge. It's a blessing. I had a bad night last night. Uh, $400 to win. Got wrecked out at Daytona in the truck series. Um, but as soon as I get off with you, I'll be jumping on there hopefully for five or six hours. So if you guys do have Twitch and you'd love to support and watch, please, uh, please go to Boston boy 83 on Twitch and, uh, any support would be great. I just got my Twitch affiliate about two weeks ago, which I thought was really cool. So the, the backing I have from, I don't want to say fans because that just sounds weird, but the people that watch and comment and subscribe to the channel, um, it's just a blessing. It's really cool. It's, it's frustrating. Last night, I wanted to throw the entire computer out the window and uh, set it on fire. But uh, it's just like anything else. You're going to have your ups and downs, and hopefully we can uh, we can capitalize on some points today. All right. That's awesome to hear. Stuff is going in the right direction. Wish you the best of luck. And I've checked out a couple racing, a couple races at last after last time we talked. And, I mean, it's it's entertaining. It's fun to watch. Oh, it's a blast. And for those people that look at it as a video game, it's not. It's a simulator. Um, they're about to release the uh, Bristol dirt track that the Cup Series guys will drive on this year for the first time ever. Um, they scan these tracks completely. Uh, they, lay, they lay these bubbles down on the ground. So every little crack, every little bump, everything uh, is identical to what you see in real life. So if you want a full experience of what it's like to be a NASCAR driver, I highly recommend getting iRacing. It's a PC game. You need somewhat of a gaming computer for the graphics to work. And if you're brand new at this, go to Best Buy. Buy you an Xbox or PlayStation wheel and pedals that hook up to a computer, and you're good to go. Awesome, man. Brandon, thanks for taking your time on this sun Saturday morning to come on. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you? Uh, yeah, uh, Twitch, BostonBoy83. Um, if you are a Boston sports fan, off the post, Boston sports on Instagram and Facebook. It's all Boston, all sports, all the time. Uh, pleasure being on with you. You're doing great stuff. You've helped me put some money in my pocket with your picks. So hopefully we can uh, make 2021 a good year after our last season. Sounds good, my man. Best of luck to you in your racing and with your bets. Awesome. Thank you. Have a good day, bud. Thanks for Brandon for coming on again. Guys, Brandon knows his stuff. As you could tell, I was just naming off NASCAR names, and he was saying stuff from the top of his head. So definitely make sure you give him a follow. He is one of the most knowledgeable NASCAR guys I know. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back Monday. Talk about the sporting day for Monday. Be safe. Be well. And if you're in Chicago, stay well because it's cold as shit out there.